You're listening to Soul Work with San, where we believe your soul is worth the work. I'm your host, San, and fam, we are keeping the convo going with this episode. See, there's lies we tell, lies we live, and lies we love. You know the ones, the ones that seek to sneak its way into our identity and mess with our future. Now, last week, we had to confront the lies we love versus the truth we need. And this week, we got to conclude the matter. Ooh, y'all, it's happening. You ready? Let's work. How goes it, fam? How is your soul? I'm hoping all is well with you, and I'm grateful that I can say the same for me in the Pope household. Yo, the Lord, he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Grateful that I can say that in the land of the living, okay? Now, we're not going to do a whole testimony service, but it's good to be grateful. I know y'all understand that. Now we're full speed ahead in our fall rhythms over here at the house, getting ready for the holiday season. I done already told y'all last week, I take Christmas way too seriously. I love it. It is my favorite time of the year. So we're also working on some new projects for y'all and also trying to have enough margin to enjoy all of it, to enjoy the journey of the working and creative and growing and experimenting, all of that, uh, trying to really also have margin to rest and enjoy it. Lately, I've been seeing through interviews and biographies from a lot of people that have reached their peak in their career, or they've hit the level of success that they wanted to reach, but they found that they were still either miserable or glad to be there, but they didn't have time to enjoy it with their family. Now, Rue and I have been talking about this a lot, like just pondering what is it going to take and all of this. The question is, Is the frenzied, can't stop, won't stop, sleep when I'm dead kind of pace, is that for us? And of course, the answer to that is a resounding no, but you still have to set certain guards and boundaries up because it is way too easy for hustle culture to just creep into your house. Have y'all ever felt like that? Like your soul has to constantly catch up to your body because you're moving at a pace that is like, it feels like 100 miles an hour. So one of my favorite uh, Bible teachers, writers, John Mark Comer, he writes about this in not his latest book, but the book before that called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, Get both books. It's just really good stuff. And then another good read on this, too, is called it's a book called To Hell with the Hustle by Jeff Betke. So consider those your book recommendations for the month. And if you do get a chance to read them, hit me up. I'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback on them. Uh, But jokes aside, the older that I get, fam, like the more I realize we were not meant to function in wholeness with our lives racing at 100 miles per hour. And what's crazy is I lived it a few years ago and I used to find such like honor and, you know, all the good words, dignity. It felt like a good duty of mine to be going and going to all the services, staying all day, then staying up all night. And what I'm finding in this season is how wild it is that we find value in things that can't be found in scripture. Right? Like working yourself to the bone is not a biblical principle. Still learning this lesson, uh, but... Thank God for uh, wisdom, okay? And also, like, perhaps maybe this is where some of that inner angst is coming from. 
Because real talk, when we live a life that is separate from what the scripture teaches us as wise, that only leads to frustration. Like even if it appears to be successful in the moment or for a season, eventually it catches up to us. Well, if you can't already tell, <laughs> we come in strong today, but it's not in a bad way. I promise you, um, I'm going to even share a little bit of how the study and the way the Lord led me to this particular topic really, really hit me strong. So you know what we do on this show. There is always grace here because condemnation can't change you. So we're not coming from a place of like, shame on you. You love to lie. Nobody's doing any of that. But the episode is strong because we have to close this thing out right. Now, I'm grateful for all the feedback that I got from last week's episode. And if you haven't gotten a chance to check out that one yet, please do. It's just lies we love, truth we need, part one. Uh, Now, because of the nature of today's episode, I'm going to save all the show announcements for the end of the episode. But coming up, we're going to do a quick recap of last week and then dive right into the three reasons we resist the truth and then three ways that we can embrace it. Now, there might be a story time and some confessions sprinkled throughout for good measure. (laughs) Help Jesus. Okay, let's get into the show. Now, let's get to the recap first. See, last week we talked about the danger of not just telling lies or even living them, but loving them. Like there are some moments where we're in heavy self-deception, right? We haven't the slightest clue that essentially we're playing ourselves. But then there are those times, typically when it's other people involved and not just in romantic ways, but there are other times where we know that we know this is not going to be in our best interest. And yet, We do the thing anyway. Y'all ever been there? It's okay. No shame. Now, whatever your thing may be, we discussed how harmful and stressful, like literally stressful it is to lie um, and how harmful lying is in in the long run. Why? Because lying sets us up to be bound and on the run from the life that God wants for us. So we had to ask the question, fam, like what if the very thing that we're trying to escape from God wants to equip us for, right? We had to acknowledge the supreme value that truth really does bring to our life and how that must be treasured so that we will learn to walk away from the lies. Like if we don't see truth for what it really is, of course, the lie is going to look not only appealing, but it's going to be the better alternative if we don't see truth for what it really needs to be, which is our freedom. So now that the groundwork has been laid, let's finish it off. First up, let's explore why we resist the truth. Like, have you ever had, I'll have this sometimes with Rue, I'm telling myself already, he'll be saying things to me and I literally have to say to him, okay, say that again and say it slower because my flesh, I don't know about y'all's, my flesh will get tricky and be like, oh, let me just let that go right over my head in one ear, out the other. Let me ignore it. Let me get distracted. Oh, is that my phone dinging? I think I get a notification because that's how easy it is to resist the truth. So one of my little trips that I do, if it it doesn't have to just be him, but someone who speaks truth into my life, I'll have them repeat it and say it slower. So it hits my soul because I need that. I could be stubborn sometimes and Jesus is helping me. Anyway, let me get to my point. 
why do we resist the truth? Like we understand its necessity. We can acknowledge its supremacy. But how come when it's time to receive it in our hearts, there's so much resistance? Right? Like you'll have somebody in your life who loves you best and wants to be honest with you. And when you need it the most, that's when you listen the least. Okay, here's why. (laughs) Number one. Because of how it's described. Now, we touched on this last week, but it bears repeating. Somehow, we've managed to give truth a bad name. Like, think about the descriptions people give when they finally come into truth. It is wild to me that what Jesus called freedom, we call it the ugly truth, the naked truth, the cold, hard truth, the bitter truth, and so on. So what Jesus says frees us, the world says this truth hurts. Well, when those messages are constantly reinforced in subtle and not so subtle ways, the difficulty that many of us, like especially millennials, have in facing this truth, it's understandable, isn't it? I mean, like, it's our generation that became synonymous with participation trophies. Fam, participation trophies are lies. you, You didn't win. I mean, maybe you played. Great. But you get a trophy for that. So you get my point. We've been conditioned to resist facing reality head on, and instead, we soften the blow with trinkets of trickery. Fam, nah. So, the real issue here is the narrative, the hijacking of the narrative of truth. What and who truth really is, to us, for us, and not knowing that, it's got us all jacked up. That's number one. Number two, we resist truth because of what it reveals about us. I know, I know. This the one that we don't want to touch, but we have to. We resist the truth so we don't have to confront those character flaws that are damaging to our growth, but also harmful to our neighbors. And if we don't confront those flaws, we won't ever change, fam. But remember part one, truth has a job to do. And one of them is to get deep into the recesses of our hearts, of our souls, to show us Well, us, (laughs) he's got to show it to us. We have to see it. Isn't it interesting that in Psalm 139, David is aware of how deeply known he is by God. And that doesn't bring him shame. That doesn't make him want to run away from God. But in fact, David's left in awe at how incredible and loving and faithful God is. So him knowing that he's fully known by God binds him closer to God. That's what real love will do. So he knows he can't escape God's all-knowing power, but he doesn't want to. Because whatever it is that's revealed about him, it pales in comparison to the love that God has for him. Fam, the same is true for you and me. We don't have to walk in shame or fear. God knows it, he knew it, and he still wants you. So the revealing nature of truth, it only makes us better. Now, of course, it may get messy because that's life, but it's only God who can put the pieces back together anyway. So we don't have to be scared of sanctification. Because, again, in the process of change and transformation, there is no condemnation. Ain't the gospel all right? Let me let me calm myself down. I feel myself getting happy. Let's get to number three. Why do we resist it? Because of what the truth requires. Fam, one of the reasons that we like lies is because it rids us of responsibility. Sometimes we'll tell a lie so we don't have to be responsible. And this last one right here, it's like John 6. 
Fam, John 6. John chapter 6 has literally blessed my entire life. It, it's been messing with me all week, right? The richness, the juiciness of the text. I wish I could really do a full story time the way I want to, but then the show would be an hour and I might get different kinds of emails. Okay, so all I will say is this. We resist the truth because once you know it, the weight that comes with knowing it, it stays with you. I had a former teacher explain it to me this way. You're responsible for what you know. Fam, knowledge is costly. And for some of us, we find it to be too expensive. Peep John 6 again. It's, I mean, when you get the chance, just read it. There's a part where Jesus is confronting these, these again, Pharisees. Here they go showing up on the scene. But he's also talking to the crowd of people that earlier in the chapter, he fed them. And now he's talking to them. He's saying, you didn't come looking for me because you want me. You came because you, you like the miracles. You wanted the food. But what I have for you, it's even more and deeper than food or glory. And they were like, nah, we're not here for that, though. <laughs> and what happened? If you look at John, I mean, start at verse 50, but let's get all the way to like 59 verse 66, where essentially they say, this is too hard for us. And they turn around. They did not want to be responsible for the truth of Jesus being their Messiah. And so they left. They walked away. So what does that show? Like we'd rather live the lie of ignorance than stand in the glory or the weight of the truth. See, living and loving lies rids people of responsibility. But to be clear, there will always be a reckoning for the irresponsible. Say, La Sugar, it's, it's what it is. We can't ignore this. Okay, so I done said those three parts. Why do we resist the truth? Let's get into how do we embrace it? How do we embrace it? Because we know that resisting, that's not the answer for our souls. Let's chop it up. How do we embrace the truth? Number one. Start with acceptance. Now, at first, I thought all we had to do was know that we're loved by God. And that was going to be my answer. Okay, you got to start with knowing that you're loved by God. But you know what I found out, fam? We know a whole lot of stuff. We do. If knowledge of God's goodness, God's word, and God's love for us was all it took, we would not have not even a a piece of the problems that continue to happen in our lives and in our souls. So it's not just knowing this truth. It is accepting this truth. None of that means anything to the unaccepting heart. If you don't accept reality, which includes God's compassionate, everlasting love for you, then you won't be susceptible to the lies that tell you otherwise. And this is why practicing disciplines like silence and solitude are so crucial to our soul's wellness, because it's a powerful way that we can wrestle with and open ourselves up to God's love and grace towards us. And this extends beyond just the experience we may have in a typical church setting on a Sunday. One of the things that's really been helping me is sometimes I'll come into my little prayer closet And I'll just sit in the morning if I have the time before the kids or even during the day. If I can like steal away, I will sit in silence and just receive the love of God. Fam, I'm not trying to play with you. That thing has changed my life. 
it's it's so powerful to just sit in stillness with him. And at first, of course, you're going to be distracted. It's going to feel really, really weird. But when you start rehearsing the truth of God and reflecting on scripture and then just sitting with him, like letting him love you, baby. Woo. Okay, I'm staying on track. I'm staying on track. So the first part is accepting. We have to accept that he loves us. It's an entirely different thing than just the shout. I know I love the shout. I think it's important. It's necessary. It'll get you through the week. God knows I love me a good bump. But it's an entirely different thing to know in the stillness of your soul that no matter what uncertainty comes, no matter what may come your way, to know that you are his and you are safe and secure. Nothing like it. Okay, let's get to number two. Number two is how do we embrace the truth? We have to stay in his word. We just do. So we start with acceptance and then we stay in his word. It's our guidepost. It's our compass. It's our source of truth. This needs no deeper explanation than that Nike campaign. Just do it. Do it and don't stop. Read your word when you're bored and when you're bursting with excitement. Read when you're having low seasons of life. Read when you're soaring. Read when you're up. Read when you're down. Why? Because the word has a word for all of those moments. For every human experience, the word has an answer for it. And listen, this is not about, oh, I read four chapters today and that makes you more saved. There's no junior Holy Ghost. There's no extra Holy Ghost. You don't get extra brownie points in heaven for reading more than your neighbor. The key is not just intake. The key is actual abiding. So what are we doing? We're reading to abide. We're reading to stay in his presence. So we stick with a passage. Find one. What I've been doing lately is a proverb a day. I have the saying, a proverb a day keeps the fool at bay. Uh, Rufus and I are in a season now where we're like, man, we've got a few big decisions on our plate. We need as much wisdom as we can get. So what I've been trying to do, he taught me this when he left, um, when he graduated from Bible school, he learned this one little tip, taught it to me when we first got married. Um, and it's so much fun, a proverb a day. So you read a proverb that correlates to the day of the month. So this, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be October 6th. So you read Proverbs 6 and you don't have to read the whole thing. Pick a couple of verses that, you know, you can meditate on and just chew on it throughout the day. What is the Lord saying? What does he want to get into your spirit? And how will that help you walk in his truth? It doesn't have to be the book of Proverbs, obviously. Find a verse for the day and let it, let it really give you the truth that you need. Okay, that's one. Start with acceptance. Two, stay in his word. Three, how do we embrace the truth? End with execution. Fam, we've got to be willing to do what we know to receive the benefits of the truth and then be free from the bondage of the lie. So to quote the hood philosopher DJ Unk, walk it out. I'm sorry I had to do it. I couldn't help myself. Let's keep going. <laughs> execution is not perfection it's intentional effort towards your goal so in other words you won't get it right all the time but showing up means you didn't walk away that you didn't throw your hands up and just leave it to chance so what did you do you take a step and then another and then another what is that that's practice and then you take another step knowing that every step you take is one that is out of darkness and into his marvelous light of truth 
So fam, I'm probably going to wrap it up right here. We talked about John 6 and the power of that and how we don't want to be the disciples that threw their hands up and said, man, I can't do it. So when you look at what Peter says to Jesus, it's dope because he says to him, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the answer. And that's another aspect of truth that we do have to acknowledge that sometimes, friends, this truth is hard. What the Lord is going to say to us, what he requires of us, it's going to feel hard. But the scriptures also promise us there will never be anything that we give up that he does not replenish with better, with more, with greater. And it's not just the material. Man, I wish if there's one thing we could stop doing, it's getting distracted by the stuff. I call it the big four, right? Like the house, the spouse, the job, the car. We get so distracted by those four things that we miss out on actual peace, on the ability to transform. Started off real angry, started off cussing, started off real elitist. And now we're a person of love. We're a person of peace. We're a person of joy. That's what you get with Jesus. But what does that require? It requires giving up the lie that the anger is serving us. Giving up the lie that I need this pain to continue. Giving up the lie that I need this emotional crutch to feel alive. So yeah, there are going to be moments where the truth is hard. And we can say that. Again, look at, let, let's look at Jesus real quick in the garden. He starts off, he's praying, he's like, uh, Father, let this cup pass. He starts with honesty, but he ends with submission. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Only a free person can pray like that. God, I don't like this. God, this really hurts. God, this doesn't feel comfortable, but end it with surrender. But God, I'm going to do what you want. Why? Because you're trustworthy. You've never failed and you're not a God to lie. So let's wrap it up here, fam. What do we know? That there are lies we tell, lies we live, and lies we love. But none of those lies serve us. And all of them have the capacity to rob us of our future. Lies keep us bound, but the truth is the greatest tool for our freedom. So if we accept truth, abide in it, and do what it says, we'll find the freedom that our soul desperately needs. And it's time, fam. It's really time. Because we don't have to live those lies anymore. They don't have to define us, and they don't have to control our story. Perhaps this is why scripture lets us know that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Because telling the truth of our story is the first step to the freedom of living in truth. And we all know by now what the truth does, right? It makes us free. That's it for me, fam. Thank you so much for being with me today. It was my joy to be with you. If you found any value from today's episode, will you share it with a friend? Perhaps you got a homie who needs to hear this. Also, I'd be really honored if you'd subscribe to the show and leave a rating and a review because it helps us to spread the show around some more. Now head over to sampope.com to check out some goodies, including my latest ebook. It's called Your Soul is Worth the Work. I'd love for you to check it out. You can also follow me on IG if it's working. <laughs> At, at uh, Sam Pope, S-A-H-N-P-O-P-E. I may have to start tweeting. I don't know. 
uh, Twitter, I've heard, is like a whole different world out there. Uh, but also tons of brilliant people on the platform. So who knows? Anyway, I love hearing from you guys. So you can send the DMs on IG or you can also email me at hello at soulworkwithsan.com. Let me know whatever's on your heart. We're working towards freedom. We're working towards wholeness. So if you want to talk about the past couple episodes and what truth versus lies really means to you, I'd love to hear it. Okay, fam, you know what it is. I'm signing off right here. Remember, you're only going to hear one of two statements on that fateful day. Well done or depart from me. Let's live accordingly. Love you. Talk soon.